Mark, do you want to have any sort of responses or reflection, brief reflections yeah. in terms of what you've heard in the light of what you said last night and then what you've heard this morning? Well, I think, I mean, what's interesting is, don't you think how, how in a sense, how coherent a picture is that, is that how coherent um, the, the, the picture that's emerged is, really, and there's clear variation in different markets and different expectations about, about um, uh, will, willingness to, to, uh, to pay. Um, but I thought, I mean, Nick slightly dismissively said, well, you know, we've got 5% of people paying for news, it was 3% a year ago. Um, and we saw the willingness to pay number going up. And if, if we're talking about a rate of growth of 40% per year, that suggests that pay is actually potentially really quite a rapidly emerging model. I mean, we were looking at numbers like that for, for use of smartphone not four or five years ago. And I think that if the angle of attack of pay is at that sort of level, then it, it's not too early. And in a way, this is what The Times is up to, to begin to think about how you differentiate within pay and whether there are, there are ways of, as I said, exploiting the, the demand curve more thoroughly with multiple, multiple models. But um, uh, uh, something that Natalie and I were talking about is that the execution and precisely what the offer is and precisely how you market it is critical. And I think, unfortunately, the detailed solutions in different, uh, in different markets and for different publishers are going to be very different. So I think there's a lot of work, and I think quite a lot of work for us to do sharing our experiences. I mean, we, I mean you talked about uh, we, we've we learnt a lot from other publishers. We learnt a lot from the FT in particular in thinking about the times payment. What we're generally trying to do is again is share what we know, because it's interesting. It's one of these moments, despite the fact we're all to a degree in competition with each other. But this is a moment where it's in all of our interest to begin to develop a new a new a new global market in paid for journalism. So that's that's my main thought. Okay, Mark. Thank you very much. Um, You've been uh, admirably brief. I mean, there's a, a huge amount of uh, fascinating material we've heard this morning covering a, a lot of different issues, ranging from uh, the role for news organisations to globalise, which was one of Mark's themes last night and Natalie's themes this, mor this, this morning. Can you expand beyond your territory and create new markets or find new markets you didn't know about? Um, we've heard different kinds of business models this morning from Natalie's... Um, uh, not a metered pay to paywall to other models that are that are more metered. Um, we've heard Peter Barron talk about um, give an optimistic picture about the ways in which Google and other people can help innovation and in news organisations. And we've heard um, John Stackhouse giving some really interesting and quite challenging uh, approaches, I thought, in terms of what's going on in the new world between the, the old boundaries, if you like, between the advertising and the editorial. Uh, I mean, that there's many, many other things that have been presented this morning which are absolutely fascinating, but those are just some of the themes that I pick out from what I've heard and some of the most challenging themes. I'd just like to just... Um, ask Mark actually one question which I didn't ask him last night which um, one, of the th one of the interesting things about the three news organisations we have represented here Mark is they're all largely national news organisations or working within their part of the nation um, and actually if you, you said last night that the New York Times had been a national news organisation for 20 years I think but you said that your print subscribers are at 1.2 million in a country of over 300 million 
John Stackhouse, I think this morning, talked about 300,000 print subscribers in a country of what is it, John? 30 million? 35 million. 35 million. Natalie talked about Le Mans uh, print runs, sort of uh, print subscribers, over 200,000. Well, Paul says we have 280,000 uh, print distribution, but subscribers. Yes. 120,000 okay. print subscribers, and then we have digital uh, okay. subscribers. So but I guess my point is that given the size of the United States, compared to some of these, and, and the fact that there is no other national competition of the same kind that you're offering in the US, how well has the New York Times actually done with 1.2 million after 10 years? Shouldn't you be much, much higher than that if you really were a successful national news organization? Well, I don't, I, so, so, I mean, the, the, I think my view about that is that the New York Times has always taken a view of itself it did when it was a New York newspaper and it did as a national newspaper, that it's a very serious newspaper. I mean, in, 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 it's fair to say in UK terms, I mean, really the FT is, is the only newspaper which has got, in a sense, the kind of makes the sort of same level of demands as the Times um, uh, typically makes on, on, it, on its readers. And it's... That's the character of the newspaper, and it's been, it has been over decades extraordinarily unbending in what its character is. And it has not, it, it's never had a, um, you know, the, the, and, and by the way, this is, these are choices. I mean, you can make different choices. Um, I think it's the other, other quality national newspaper in, in, in the United States is the Wall Street Journal, which, which and, and, you know, there's, there's uh, I mean, uh, you've probably seen there's evidence that over the last um, uh, 10 years or so, the, the Wall Street Journal article length has somewhat reduced. I mean, I think the Wall Street Journal is a very good newspaper, and it's a serious newspaper. Um, um, it, it, there have been efforts to make it more readily consumable than it was, you know, uh, I mean, they, you know, they, add, they added photographs, for example. Um, <laughs> Uh, the New York Times' articles have been getting longer over the last decade, uh, uh, more detailed uh, 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 than, than they used to be. And I think what I would say is that, the, the, as I tried to convey last night, is in that equation between to what extent do you go for pure editorial ambition and you tend towards a, a deeper relationship with a smaller number of potentially more valuable readers versus... Do you think of your, your, your newspaper as an advertising platform where the sheer numbers of people you reach is very valuable because that's how you sell your advertising? The Times is very much at that end, and it's a choice. I mean, you could, you could certainly do things to the New York Times to make it much more popular. But all I would say is, you know, there is a popular national newspaper um, um, in the United States called USA Today. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is the New York Times has overtaken USA Today in terms of its uh, of its paid circulation, even though it's yeah. a much more uh, a much more, as it were, you know, upmarket product than, than USA Today, and that's because the New York Times is distinctive. Yeah. And to, in and, and particular one of the particular risks in the United States is you go mass and very popular, and the danger is you do that at the price of distinctiveness, and 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 what you do then becomes much easier to find on the free web and so forth. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks to all of you uh, taking part in it and to all our panel, Nick Newman, John Stackhouse, Peter Barron, Mark Thompson and Natalie Nugaret. Thanks to all of you.